Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Recognizing and Resisting Evil Influences, brothers and sisters. Today we're going to use the Bible for us to obtain wisdom for the end, brothers and sisters. Wisdom that will sustain us through Jacob's trouble to help us recognize the tactics of Satan, brothers and sisters. There's going to be an onslaught, a barrage of sin presented to us, brothers and sisters, and we need to be able to identify it as exactly what it is, and that's sin, brothers and sisters. We're going to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. For a lack of money? Knowledge. Read that again, brethren. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. So when you look around, brothers and sisters, you see the destruction of family. You see the destruction of community. It has to, that thought must come upon us that this is happening because of our lack of knowledge. Not because of our lack of money. Because people of color spend a lot of money, brothers and sisters. More money than anybody else. We, we're the biggest consumers, brothers and sisters. And I hear a lot of our people say, especially when you deal with... Egyptologists and you know um, people who deal with pro-black. It's well, we need to. We need money. We need economics. We can't do anything without economics. When it's not the economics that's the problem, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse six. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Read that part again, brother. Since Thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Right. So once we reject the knowledge, brothers and sisters, you're in uncharted territory. You're in uncharted waters, brothers and sisters. Can you read the next scripture, brother? Verse 7. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Right. So this is showing that the Most High's wrath did not come upon us unsolicited, brothers and sisters. We provoked the Most High, brothers and sisters, and therefore potentially begged for his chastisement, brothers and sisters. Read that from the top, brother, please. Verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Right. So a lack of knowledge, brothers and sisters. What knowledge? The knowledge contained in the Bible, brothers and sisters. We lack that knowledge. And we're going to use the Bible to contextualize, to give us the information to be able to defend ourselves in the trying times that are ahead of us, brothers and sisters. Uh, read the next scripture, please, brother. Seven. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, will I change their glory into shame? Right. So we rejected the ways of the Most High, brothers and sisters. And if we rejected His ways, whose ways did we accept? We're going to go to First Timothy five and fifteen to show you whose ways did we accept once rejecting the Most High's ways. There's going to be a barrage, an onslaught of sin presented to us, brothers and sisters, in order to. To, to, to set up a snare in order to take our rulership, our kingdom from us, brothers and sisters. And we have to be prepared for what is getting ready to come. First Timothy 5 and 15. For some are already turned aside after Satan. Read that one more time, brother. For some are already turned aside after Satan. Right. So once you 
t- reject the Most High's ways, you you turn aside to Satan. There's only there's only two sides, brothers and sisters. I know some. I've met people who believe that. Well, I don't follow the Bible, but I'm not following Satan either. I don't believe in Satan. I've heard people say that. Well, I don't believe in Satan. The Bible tell you there's only two sides. So there's this there's this speech that goes on where I'm just doing me. What, what do you mean? You just following Satan? Is that what you mean? Because that's and and you know that's what it is. Potentially, you're just following Satan. Read that one more time, brother. Verse fifteen. For some are already turned aside after Satan. Right. So once you turn down the most high's ways, you're turning to the side of Satan, brothers and sisters. Many have followed Satan who has beguiled them into the path of vice and folly, brothers and sisters. And we're going to expose his tactics because he uses the same schemes against our people over and over, brothers and sisters. And we're going to highlight it. We're going to. The only way you can defend the truth is by pulling those who work in darkness into the light so they can be seen. So we must pull them into the light so we can see them, brothers and sisters. We're going to James chapter 4, verse 7 in the New Testament. <clears throat> Follow us, brothers and sisters. James chapter 4, verse 7. James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. See, to show you, if you submit to the Most High, you're actually resisting the devil. Brothers and sisters, so it's only two sides. If you don't submit, then automatically you, you're going to be following Lucifer. You're going to be following Satan, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submission, brothers and sisters, is a matter of will. Without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters, we must make a conscious, voluntary choice to submit our imperfect will and be subject to the... You, to, to be subject to the Most High God with implicit obedience. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right. So the only way to resist the devil, brothers and sisters, resist his influence, is to submit to the Most High God. It's the only way, brothers and sisters. So we have to build the foundation. The foundation is this. Read it one more time, brother. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit. Why? Because only the humble receive the grace of the Most High God. That's why you must submit, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right. So Satan is to be looked upon as an enemy, brothers and sisters, and to be opposed as such. So we must view sin as evil. We must deal with sin as a sickness, as an ailment, something that we want no part of, brothers and sisters. We are to be we are to be guarded. We are to watch against the evil one, brothers and sisters. If we don't submit, when you're dealing with people in the world, family, friends, co-workers, employees, employers, people who don't submit to the most high, they're not resisting the devil, brothers and sisters. And that we must know that knowledge because if we're amongst people like that, there's a good chance that they're going to influence us, or we may influence them, but somebody's been influenced, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. It says draw nigh. That means draw near to the Most High God. And he will draw near to you, brothers and sisters. So that's 
what we want to do. We want to draw nigh to the Most High God so we can resist and recognize the evil influences, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Genesis 3 to show you when Satan first took our rulership and how he uses the same tactics and schemes today. We're going to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, brothers and sisters. Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yeah, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Right, so... First, Satan is persuading Eve that she has a conundrum. She has a dilemma that doesn't exist. Well, didn't God say, you know, you can eat of all fruit? See? So now he's, he's letting her know. You don't really rule. You don't really have dominion if you can't do what you want to do. This is, this is what he's planting into her mind. Dominion? How are you in dominion if you can't do what you want to do? Uh, continue, brother. Verse 5. For God doth know. That in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Right, so he's psychoanalyzing Eve, brothers and sisters. He has a diagnosis. He's eager to share his condemnation with others. He's saying, listen, you have a problem, and there's a way that you can fix that problem by doing this. So now he has his prescription pad out. He's saying, eat this fruit, and your eyes will, will see. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Right, so you'll know everything. You'll see everything, and I'll give it to you. This is what he's saying. I will be the reason that you have the understanding and you're able to see. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise... She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. So here you have the, read that one more time, brother, six. Verse six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. So you have the lust of the flesh. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. The lust of the eye. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. Read that part again. And they knew that they were naked. It says their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. Why? Because at this time, brothers and sisters, they were like little children as it pertains to their thoughts. Pure. So they didn't have uh, sexual desires at this time, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, Brother Corey. And the eyes of them both were open. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Right. So once their eyes were open, eventually they understood that, you know, hold on. I, I don't have clothes on. I need to get dressed. Why didn't they notice this before? Because they didn't have sexual urges, brothers and sisters. But once they partook in that fruit, they understood they had, hold on, I have needs. I have urges. I need to put, my, I need to put something more now. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Right. So this particular tree was planted by a demon named Samuel, brothers and sisters. Without any shadow of a doubt, the Most High did not plant this tree. Without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters. 
And what what came with this fruit? The, there's there's other records, Hebrew records that tell you what came with this fruit, brothers and sisters. And what, what when they partook this fruit, it gave sensation to their senses, brothers and sisters. Their senses came alive like electricity. Now they could feel certain things. They, they had urges. Now they're grown. Now they understood, brothers and sisters, I have urges. So this fruit did something to their conscience, brothers and sisters. Why? Because they hid from the Most High. They covered themselves. So this fruit introduced shame, brothers and sisters. They felt that darkness. They felt it. They felt the darkness of the Most High when they partook in that fruit to go somewhere else. So this was the first time they had felt this shame, that they could even sense this, brothers and sisters. Now the, the knowledge of evil was present, brothers and sisters. So Satan did this. He, he used this, this, this liberty, as, as he calls it. He, he used it as a liberty, brothers and sisters. And by using it as liberty, it was effective. It was effective, brothers and sisters, because he taught it as, a, as it was liberty. This is liberty for you to be able to, to partake in this fruit. So Satan was effective in sharing his condemnation by masking it as a liberty, brothers and sisters. Uh, go to 2 Peter 2 and 19, brother. Go into the New Testament, brothers and sisters. 2 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read verse 19. Because why? Satan... He uses the illusion of liberty to, to, to get us to sin, brothers and sisters. Without any shadow of a doubt, we're going to prove. 2 Peter 2 and 19. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. Read that again, brother. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. Liberals, brothers and sisters, are high Satanists. Liberals. Because they want to give you liberty to do things you should not have liberty to do. Like being a homosexual. You should not have the liberty to be a homosexual. You shouldn't have the liberty to eat pork and buy a Christmas tree. So liberals, well all of them are Satanists, brothers and sisters. But the highest level of them are the liberals, brothers and sisters. Because they, they want to tear down discipline. They want to tear down structure, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, Brother Corey. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome... Of the same as he brought in bondage. Right. So while Satan is publicizing this as a liberty, he's a slave himself to corruption. This is what the Bible is telling you. Those who are trying to give you liberty are really slaves themselves, brothers and sisters. The ones who say, well, no, no, no. doesn't matter. Listen, if you want to date a man, hey, you can do that. You want to carry a purse? That's fine. We can't judge you. See? So they're giving it to you as a liberty when really themselves they're slaves. Brothers and sisters, we're going to prove that. We're going to Job 1 and 6. We're going to read 6 through 12. Job 1 and 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. To show you, to prove to you that the sons of God are angels, brothers and sisters. Because only angels present themselves before the Most High. Not regular men, brothers and sisters. Verse 7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, 
a, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? So what he's saying is people would not, he can't imagine in his mind that we would follow God without being bribed. He's saying, you know, the only reason he's following you is because you give him everything. So in Satan's mind, the only reason that a man or woman would follow God is because they want something from God, not because they love him. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Has not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the works of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now. And touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee from to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking. Read verse 12 one more time, brother. Verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself, put not forth thine hand. So we wanted to show you that, number one, Satan asked for permission, brothers and sisters. So Satan acknowledges the authority of the Most High, but he does not respect it or submit to it, brothers and sisters. But Satan knows he cannot afflict Job without God's permission to show you that he who's trying to promote liberty doesn't have liberty himself. And that's the trick. Satan knows that he have no power to the Most High, but he's tricking man and woman to believe that he does have power. When he know himself, he have no power. Let's read. Let's jump back up. Let's start. Read verse. Read verse nine one more time, brother, please. Verse nine. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, "That Job fear God for naught. Has not thou made an hedge about him?" And about his house, and about all that he hath on every side, thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now. Read that part again. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. So Satan is acknowledging that for him to afflict Job, ultimately the Most High had to afflict him. That's the that's what we're trying to examine here. Is that even Satan knew? He told the Most High. Look, he said he told the Most High, "Put forth thine hand now." So you would have to touch him. See, so we needed to show that we have people who are following Lucifer as if he's all powerful and all knowing. When even when he's in the presence of the Most High, he straightens up. Even he, even he straightens up in the presence of the Most High. So we have people who are following Satan or Lucifer as if, you know, he, he's in all control. When even he knows. That in order to do something, the Most High have to allow it, brothers and sisters. So he can't, he can't, you know, he can't advertise liberty as a way of something he can give you because he don't have liberty himself. He can only do what the Most High allow him to do, brothers and sisters. So we wanted to, we wanted to pull that out first. We're going to go to Isaiah 61 and 1. Because Satan will deceive people to believe he actually have power. Isaiah 61 verse 1 The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. To what? To the captives. 
So, brothers and sisters, I, this is the main scripture I use when, when black people tell me this is a white man's book. And I'm like, brother, this is saying liberty to the captive. The white man could not read this to slaves. So don't come to me saying that the white man used our Bible to enslave our people because they wasn't reading this scripture. Read that one more time, brother. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. And the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, brothers and sisters. So what is this saying? This is saying the Bible was recorded to rescue those who were confined in a mental darkness of sin, brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible was for. Satan cannot give you liberty, brothers and sisters. Only the Most High can give you liberty, brothers and sisters. It says the prisons. The prison is that selfishness, that sin which hinders man from truly being free, brothers and sisters. Such liberty is only possible and only, you know, is only possible with a renewed soul, brothers and sisters, and cannot exist apart from godliness. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. Right. Why do we go here, brothers and sisters? We went here to show you that liberty come through the Bible. Liberty come by the spirit of the most high God. Lucifer, Satan cannot give you liberty. He can give you bondage. Sometimes bondage appears like it's freedom, but really it's not, brothers and sisters. It's, you should not have the freedom to destroy yourself. The most high don't give us the autonomy to do that, brothers and sisters. But... Satan will say, hey, you should be able to snort cocaine, okay? You, you, hey, listen, if you want to celebrate pagan July 4th, you should have the right to do it. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have the right. And when the children of Israel are um, assume the rightful identity, you won't have those options because you should not have the options. There's options to, to gamble on professional sports. You should not have these types of liberties, brothers and sisters. So we must spot out when they're using this word liberty that really what they're saying is freedom to sin liberated under the authority of God so I'm liberated from following the most high God that's what they're talking about when they're saying liberty brothers and sisters I can do what I want and not have to answer to he who created me that's a problem brothers and sisters and the children of Israel will be the pillar the foundation of rocking this world and changing it from the inside out, brothers and sisters, each and every one of us. We needed to show you that only the Most High could liberate us, brothers and sisters. Go to Psalms 119 and 45, since we're talking about liberty, brothers and sisters. Satan does not have the autonomy to give us liberty. He's a slave himself to corruption. Psalms 119, verse 45. Psalms 119 and 45. And I will walk at liberty. Read that one more time. And I will walk at liberty, for I see thy precepts. See, so the most high is the authority of liberty, brothers and sisters. Liberty from what? That power which is which enslaves us, that is sin, brothers and sisters. That's what we're liberated from. Read that one more time, brother. And I will walk at liberty, for I see thy precepts. To show you that liberty come from Studying the precepts, the Bible, brothers and sisters. Liberty is contained within biblical literature, brothers and sisters. 
Only the Bible can grant deliverance from the darkening of the mind. Not, not your politicians, not Satan, not the white man. Because I know that, you know, a lot of our young black boys, our young black men, we believe if the white man say I can do it, then I can do it. Because, hey, a white man told me I can do it. When that's not the case, brothers and sisters. Liberty indicates freedom. And the instrument in which that liberty is imparted is what? It's truth, brothers and sisters. Liberty comes from the truth. To prove that, we're going to John 8 and 32. <clears throat> we're talking about liberty here, brothers and sisters. Because Satan, he dressed up, he, he masked liberty, he masked sin as liberty in, the, in Genesis chapter 3. So we needed to go to prove what true liberty is, brothers and sisters. When we're out and we're talking to our family members, our friends, we're trying to do a little fishing. We need to show them that liberty is contained in this book. Liberty is not doing what you want to do. That's not liberty. Uh, read 32, brother, please. John 8 and 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, so liberty comes from truth, brothers and sisters. Liberty is freedom. Read that one more time, brother. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Freedom from ignorance and error, brothers and sisters. Freedom from prejudices of education, brothers and sisters. The spiritual freedom from the bondage of sin, brothers and sisters. The release from the lifestyle of habitual lawlessness. That's what freedom is, brothers and sisters. Because why? With the truth, with freedom, if you obtain it through what John 8 and 32 is saying, you understand that with truth comes discipline, brothers and sisters. Knowing when to say no. That comes with the truth, brothers and sisters. Truth is your purpose. Truth is our purpose, brothers and sisters. And the Bible explains what that truth is. We're going to go to Psalms 119, verse 30. We're talking about truth. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about liberty, brothers and sisters. Psalms 119 and 30. I have chosen the way of truth. Right. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Truth is the one place our people have been running from, brothers and sisters. The only way to eternal happiness. Read that one more time, brother. I have chosen the way of truth. So among all the paths of life, this is what I've selected. Thy judgments have I laid before me. The Bible have I laid before me. To show you that truth is in the Bible, brothers and sisters. The only way to be free, truly, to be liberated is through truth. When we found out Christmas was pagan, now I'm free from that. I'm free from that, that emotional, psychological trance on which I have to pay money, you know, to, for somebody to believe that I love them. I, I, you know, I'm free from Valentine's Day. I'm free from Thanksgiving now. That's what the truth does, brothers and sisters. I'm free from knowing that I'm not African-American or Costa Rican or Jamaican. I'm free from that. I'm, I'm free from the prejudice of education because the education is prejudice, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Right. It says, thy judgments have I laid before me. So that means the Bible is to be looked at continually. 
having a strong affection for it, brothers and sisters. This is the guide of our conduct. That's what this is. This is what this is saying, brothers and sisters. The Bible should guide our con, our, our, our conduct, brothers and sisters. This is freedom here. Can you read that one more time, brother? I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Right. The judgments is contained within biblical literature, brothers and sisters. So we become free through biblical literature, brothers and sisters. And this is the glorious truth that we want to share with our brethren and our sisters is that this is liberating. This is the freest you will ever be is to understand what the truth is, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're in the hour of temptation, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Revelations 3 and 10 to further touch on this time that we're in. Brother Corey, please read Revelations 3 and 10. Revelation 3, verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Now remember, he said, I, re I obtained truth by laying the precepts before me, by laying the judgments before me. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. From the what? The hour of temptation. From the what? Hour of temptation. Brothers and sisters, we're in a time where sin will be at its height. The Bible refers to that time as the hour of temptation, brothers and sisters. Where anything that your flesh desires will be placed at your feet. And you're going to have to actively, consciously deny it, brothers and sisters. You're going to have to deny it because they're going to present it to you. Read it one more time, brother. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience... I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. To try them, brothers and sisters. So now, there's easy access to pornographic images, brothers and sisters. There's easy access to drugs now, brothers and sisters. Strip clubs. Uh, I know in certain states, they got... Um, uh, strip uh, coffee places where people are giving out coffee with bikinis on. This is this is what this is where we're at, brothers and sisters. This is the hour of temptation. You turn on the television, sex sex sales. This is the only thing that's being thrown around, brothers and sisters. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snappy, uh, uh, Snapchat. Where every sister is now a Snapchat model now, brothers and sisters. This. This is the time that we're in, brothers and sisters. This is the time. Read that one more time, Brother Corey. Verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. So those who have kept the word of his patience will be sustained through this hour of temptation, brothers and sisters. But we're going to use the Bible to quantify or contextualize a few of the most egregious temptations that will be presented to us, brothers and sisters. We're going to start with Mark 4 and 19. The hour of temptation, brothers and sisters. This is the time during Jacob's trouble where sin will be at its height and it will be sensationalized, brothers and sisters. Mark 4 and 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in. Choke the word. And it becoming unfruitful. Read that one more time, brother. 
and the cares of this world. The cares of this world, brothers and sisters. A lot of times we fall to the temptation to obtain status, brothers and sisters. We become driven to elevate our economic wealth, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, Brother Corey? And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word. And it becometh unfruitful. These things choke the word, brothers and sisters. The word that has been the seed that was sown in each and every one of us. The cares of this world. Well, I just want, you know, I just want to finish this. I just want to start a new business. I just need a new house. I, I just need to, you know, need a PhD. These are the things, brothers and sisters, the cares of the world. Brothers. Well, what are my friends going to think about me? Well, they invited me to the Christmas party. These are the things, brothers and sisters, that choke out the word. Read that again, Brother Corey. Verse, <clears throat> Verse 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Examine that, brothers and sisters. The riches are deceitful. Why? Because you believe that <laughs> you're, you're well off. You believe that you're good. Because you have economic status, you have, you know, you have money. When really that money obscures what's going on in the spiritual realm, brothers and sisters. That's why it says the deceitfulness of riches. The Bible says, the Bible asks you, what is it worth for a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul, brothers and sisters? In the end, what's more important? Read that again, brother Corey. Verse 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And the lust of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. We're going to talk a little bit more about the deceitfulness of riches. We're going to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Because this is one of the main temptations, brothers and sisters. Satan, once you come to the knowledge of the truth, will give you many avenues to make money in a devious way, brothers and sisters. Now he's going to start... Giving you opportunity to make more money than you've ever had in a chance to do before because you have the truth now. So now I'm going to make it very easy for them to make money the wrong way, brothers and sisters. Anytime you can shake your butt on a pole and, and get money for that, brothers and sisters. Anytime they have a red light district, brothers and sisters, in a certain part of town, a red light district for young people who don't know is a is a a part of a town where prostitution is legal, brothers and sisters. The fact, like in Las Vegas, certain areas in Las Vegas, brothers and sisters, the fact that these things exist, brothers and sisters, is a problem. We need to be able to recognize and resist evil influences, brothers and sisters. Uh, read that one more time, brother. First Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So godliness with contentment, that means being content, brothers and sisters. Content is gain, brothers and sisters. A man who can be content. Now, we're not saying don't strive to want to be better, but be content. Utilize the resources you have now. And once you utilize those and you tell the most high, listen, I'm grateful for what you've given me. Even though I don't have the biggest house, the nicest car, the most money, the nicest shoes and clothes, what you gave me, you believe is good enough. So it's good enough for me. And once you're content, he'll elevate you. Because if you're not content, then what you're saying is, what we're saying is, what you gave me wasn't good enough, God. I need more. And that will make him angry, brothers and sisters. I, I hear a lot of brothers saying that. Well, you know, I just need this, and I just need that, and I need this. 
And I'm like, well, are you saying what the Most High provided isn't good enough? What what exactly are you saying, brother? Because if that's what you're saying, the Most High is going to, it's going to take a long time for you to get those blessings, brother. Because you're not grateful for what the Most High did give you, even if it wasn't much. Even if it wasn't much. Uh, read, read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Examine this visually descriptive language that's about to transpire, brothers and sisters. Verse 7. But we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can take nothing out. Now, we have to examine this because our people, minorities, brothers and sisters, think all things can be fixed by throwing money at it. Our people believe that, and that's a serious detriment to our perception, brothers and sisters. Only, only minorities believe this, especially black people. We believe that money is the cure for all things, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, Brother Corey. Well, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Right. So by examining how we've been conditioned to view money, this, is a, this particular passage is very powerful, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Read that again, brother. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. So if you have food, you have clothing. It may not be the best food. It may not be the best clothing. But you have to be content, brothers and sisters. That That's gain. That, that's maturity, brothers and sisters. People are looking like, he doesn't have much, but he's happy. He's, he's thanking God. Why? They don't understand. Brothers and sisters, because it's called being content. Christ didn't even have a place of his own, brothers and sisters. He didn't have a place to celebrate the Passover. And he was he was the Hamashiach, he was the Messiah. So if anybody could could have had some some financial or economic status, it's Christ, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that was they but they that will be rich. Fall into temptation and a snare. Read that again, brother. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Right. So these temptations, riches lead to these temptations, brothers and sisters, because why? You have more opportunity for sin when you have a lot of money, brothers and sisters. It says these hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Brothers and sisters, see, so our people have been conditioned to believe money is the ultimate cure to the elements of our circumstances, brothers and sisters. And once you're content, you can stop focusing on your circumstance and concentrate more on your purpose or your mission. So that's where contentment comes in, brothers and sisters, because you can't work for the most high if you're not content, because the only thing you're focused on is what you don't have. Read that. uh, Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Right. So a lot of people, most people are not disciplined enough to have uh, a lot of money, brothers and sisters, because money, it puts a magnifying glass. It heightens who you actually are, brothers and sisters. It compounds all the negative things about you now become elevated, brothers and sisters, with money. Uh, read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and are pierced and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, 
fly these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Right. So, brothers and sisters, our contentment is imperative for us to make it through Jacob's trouble, brothers and sisters. It's not about money. We must be content, brothers and sisters, and we're going to show you that it's not about money. It's more about focusing on your purpose and your mission. And your purpose or mission is not your job. Let's be clear. Your job, your your employment is not your mission. That's not your purpose. That's what you do for money. <laughs> That's not who you are. And for some reason in society have intertwined this. You're not a you being a football player is not your purpose, brother. <laughs> okay? Being a carpenter is not your purpose, brother. That's not your purpose. And we're going to we're going to use the Bible to to highlight that, we're going to Ecclesiasticus 38 and 24. We're going to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. We're going to Sirach or Ecclesiasticus 38, 24 through 34. Ecclesiasticus 38, verse 24. The wisdom of a learned man cometh by opportunity of leisure. Right, leisure time or space to think, brothers and sisters. And he that hath little business shall become wise. Right. So in, in order to acquire your purpose, you must have a time when you're separated from everything else, brothers and sisters. Verse 25. How can he get wisdom that holdeth the plow, and that glorieth in the, go in the gold, that driveth oxen, and is occupied in their labors? And whose talk is a book. Right. So there must be a time, brothers and sisters, where we 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 we're separated to the most high in order to acquire our mission, brothers and sisters. What this scripture is talking about is a person working all day long. Read that one more time, brother. How can he get wisdom that holdeth the plow and that glorieth in the gold, that driveth oxen and is occupied in their labors? And whose talk is of bullocks? Right. So we're, we're not talking about being lazy, brothers and sisters. What he's talking about is prioritizing things. That's what he's talking about. Because there's some people who will see this and say, yeah, I got leisure time all the time, but I don't work. You know, I just sit home and smoke spliffs, you know, play video games. That's not what we're talking about, brothers and sisters. That's laziness. What we're talking about is prioritizing what's most important. Your job, you making money, should not be most important. We're going to prove that. Uh, continue, brother. Verse 26. He giveth his mind to make furrows, and is diligent to give the kind father. So every carpenter and workmaster that labored night and day, and they that cut and grave seals, and are diligent to make great variety, and give themselves to counterfeit Counterfeit imagery and watch to finish a work. Right, so it's talking about carpenters. There's nothing wrong with being a carpenter, brothers and sisters. Without carpenters, you wouldn't have homes. So we're not speaking against people having employment. We want to be clear. Verse 28. The smith also sitting by the anvil. The blacksmith. Now it's talking about blacksmiths. We need blacksmiths. And considering the iron work, the vapor of the fire wasteth his flesh, and he fighteth with the heat of the furnace. The noise of the hammer and the ant and the anvil is ever in his ears, and his eyes look still upon the pattern of the thing that that he maketh. He setteth his mind to finish his work, and watches to polish it perfect. Right, this is a blacksmith. We need blacksmiths, brothers and sisters. We need these blacksmiths. Verse twenty nine. So doth the potter sitting at his work, and turning the wheel about with his feet, who is always carefully set at his work. Read that part again. 
who is always carefully set at his work. See, so a potter who only thing he do is deal with pottery. Examine this, brothers and sisters. A blacksmith who the only thing that's on his mind at all times is just becoming better at a blacksmith. That's going to be a problem. We're going to show you why. Uh, continue, brother. Verse 30. He fashioned the clay with his arm and bowed down his strength before his feet. He applied himself to lead it over, and he is diligent to make clean the furnace. All these trust to, do, to their hands, and everyone is wise in his work. Read that again, brother. All these trust to their hands, and everyone is wise in his work. Right, so what this is saying is the only wisdom you have is concerning your occupation or the job you do daily. That's going to be a problem, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother Corey. All these trust to their hands, and everyone is wise in his work. Without these cannot a city be inhabited. Right, so all these things we just spoke of, a potter, a blacksmith, a carpenter, we need all of that to build a city. But, read that again, brother. Without these cannot a city be inhabited, and they shall not dwell where they will, nor go up and down. Examine this next scripture, brothers and sisters. Verse 33. They shall not be sought for in public council. Read that again, brother. They shall not be sought for in public council. See, so these people who just focused on their job will not be sought after to judge the world. Will not be sought after to teach prophecy, to teach history. They will not be. Why? Because they have no understanding of spiritual things. They have no understanding of prophecy and judgment. You can't go to a doctor for prophecy. Why? Because it's not their expertise. See, so if the only thing you care about is money and you working, that's fine too. But understand, nobody will come to you and say, can you break down the scripture for me? Can you show me guidance on where I need to move? Why? Because you're a blacksmith. And that's the only thing you, you know, only thing you cared about learning. Read that again, brother. <clears throat> uh, actually, read the scripture before. Read, start at 31, I'm sorry. Verse 31. All these trust to their hands. And everyone is wise in his work. Right. So there's nothing wrong doing manual labor, but that can't be your only focus is getting more money to elevate your status. Verse 32. Without these cannot a city be inhabited and they shall not dwell where they will, nor go up and down. They shall not be sought for in public council, See? nor sit high in the congregation. They shall not sit on the judge's seat. Read that again, brother. They shall, they shall not sit on the judge's seat. Right. You, you won't be a judge. This is what the Bible is telling you. Why? You're not able to judge righteously because their time was strictly used for their employment. They didn't study the laws of the Most High God. They didn't study righteous judgment. The only thing they studied was how to be a blacksmith, how to be a carpenter. See? So there have to be, <laughs> there have to be some balance, brothers and sisters. And if there's not, that's fine, too, because we can use your blacksmith, you know, work. We can use your carpentry. But understand when it comes to leading the most highest people, you won't be sought out for that because the only thing you cared about was dealing with pottery. You didn't care about learning the law, statutes and judgments. Read that again, brother. Verse 33. They shall not be sought for in public council, nor sit high in the congregation. They shall not sit on the judge's seat nor understand the sentence of, of judgment. Right, nor understand the sentence of judgment. Why? Because you haven't studied the laws of the Most High God. You can't judge righteously because you was only worried about being a potter. They cannot declare justice and judgment, 
And they shall not be found where parables are spoken. Read that again, brother. And they shall not be found where parables are spoken. Where are parables spoken of? In the Bible, brothers and sisters. So people who are just focused on their actual employment, they're not, they won't be found in the Bible. What does that mean? Their purpose, they will not be fulfilling their purpose in the Bible. Our purpose as Israelites in the Bible is to be the leaders, brothers and sisters, to be the teachers, brothers and sisters. But you won't be a leader or a teacher if the only thing you care about is your pottery or, or whatever job it is you do playing football. You got football players out there. The only thing they, you know, that's all they care about is football. Well, that's fine. That's entertaining. But you will not be sought out for public counsel. So we brought this up, brothers and sisters, to show you that your purpose have nothing to do with your employment. Brothers and sisters. Now, there's nothing wrong with having, being employed. You know, the Bible tells you a man don't work, he don't eat, right? But you must remember what your true purpose is, your true function, which is to learn, study. So the Most High could use you as a judge. The Bible tells you, we don't you know you shall judge angels? A person who don't read the Bible, who just dealing with blacksmiths, you know, and pottery, will not be judging angels. Because he doesn't know righteous judgment. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 33. They shall not be sought for in public counsel, nor sit high in the congregation. They shall not sit on the judge's seat, nor understand the sentence of judgment. They cannot declare justice in judgment, and they shall not be found where parables are spoken. But they will maintain the state of the world, and all their desires in the work of their craft. See? So they'll maintain the state of the world. You'll always have a house that they can build, or you know, you'll deal with something for a blacksmith or some clay that, uh, you know, a, 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 a pot that you can get a, a, a potter to put together for you. See? So that's the only thing they care about. And that's okay, too. It says all their desire is in the work of their craft. That's fine. We, you know, if that's what you, you want to do, we support that. But understand when it comes to, you know, those days coming, people need understanding on prophecy or where to be safe or what certain scriptures are, they're not even thinking to come to you because you never showed that that was a priority to you. You only showed that, listen, man, I got to clean these cars. That's all I care about is cleaning cars. All I care about is driving drift, you know, drifting cars. That's all I care about. All I care about is LeBron James uh, uh, shooting baskets. That's all I care about. I don't care about nothing else. So if you don't care about anything else, understand they will not come to you for counsel, brothers and sisters. So we, we need our people to understand this. There have to be some level of balance, brothers and sisters. Your employment is not your purpose. That's what you do to make money, brothers and sisters. Employment or the reward for employment shouldn't be the key emphasis of our life, brothers and sisters. And this is what the truth show you. The truth show you that your employment or your money, your status should not be the key emphasis of life. We're going to Isaiah 5 and 13 to prove that point, brothers and sisters. Because remember, it said the deceitfulness of riches is one of the things that choke the word. Isaiah 5 and 13. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Right. Hold, 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 hold on, brothers and sisters. Be, we went into we're serving because we have no money. Read it again. Therefore, my people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. No, but no, no, no. Because we don't have no money. No knowledge. Exactly. See, brothers and sisters. So we're suffering because we have no knowledge of the basis of spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. The Bible 
can and will resolve the root cause of our problems, the source of our quandaries. Read that one more time, brother. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. Right. So there's a biblical solution to our circumstances, brothers and sisters. Uh, people say, well, I just need more money. I just need this. You know, we just need to be elevated. The Bible is telling you money is not the issue. Knowledge is the issue, brothers and sisters. It's not because we need more money. We have plenty of money, brothers and sisters. Some people in other countries, a lot of these Hispanic countries make less than a dollar a day. And we're sitting here complaining when, when minimum wage is $12, $13, brothers and sisters. So money, having money is not the issue. It's having the knowledge, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity. Right, because we're serving other nations. Why? Because they have no knowledge. And their honorable, honorable men are famished. And their multitude dried up with thirst. It says the honorable men. That means the, the men of our communities, they have no knowledge. They're famished. There's a famine of hearing the word of God, brothers and sisters. We're thirsty for that, that water. That water that is Christ. That water that is the word, brothers and sisters. Our people are thirsty. And the men who are supposed to be responsible for delegating, for, you know, for making sure everybody is nourished, they're famished themselves, brothers and sisters. So we went here to show you that money is not the issue. It's the knowledge that's the issue, brothers and sisters. Go to Haggai, brother. Chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, brothers and sisters. Oh, excuse me. Haggai chapter 1, verse 6. Haggai 1 and 6. Examine this, brothers and sisters. You have sown much and bring in little. That means you work a lot, but you don't reap the benefits of it. Ye eat, but you have not enough. Ye drink. But you are not filled with drink. He clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Read that part again, brother. And he that earned wages, earn wages to put it into a bag with holes. Right. See? So, brothers and sisters, it's not money. Money's not the issue. The issue is we don't have the knowledge of what to do with the money, brothers and sisters. That's where the issue lies. That's where the issue lies, brothers and sisters. You could find Israelites all over that have money. There's very rich. You have Oprah and a lot of people have money, brothers and sisters. But it's not that. We don't have the knowledge of what to do with the money, brothers and sisters. Read it from the top, brother. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earned wages, earned wages to put it into a bag with holes. Why are we earning wages to put in a bag full of holes? The, the Bible's getting ready to show you. Uh, verse 7, brother. Verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He's saying, consider your ways. Don't you, don't we realize that, listen, we've been working very hard. We have nothing to show for it. The refrigerator has to be filled up every week. <laughs> We have, we're working long hours with nothing to share with our family, nothing to leave our kids. What, what? We have to examine this, brothers and sisters. We must examine this because our people are saying, well, if I just had money, everything would be okay. If I just had money, and, and uh, uh, Biggie said it best, more money, more problems, brothers and sisters. More problems because now you got to protect that money. 
Now you got to make sure that every man or woman that come in your life is coming in for the right reason and not your money. So money bring more problems, brothers and sisters. The Bible is telling you we work for wages and put it in a bag that have holes. And it's going to show you why, brothers and sisters. We perish for a lack of knowledge. Verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, said the Lord. Read that again, brother. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, said the Lord. Go up to the mountain and build the house. That means build the house of the Most High God. Build his people. That's why. You're not building his people. And since you're not building his people, everything that you have will just fall apart. The Bible is going to show you. Go to the next scripture, brother. Verse 9. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. See? So you had a plan. You had a plan. You started putting it together. And then the Most High blew it down like a stack of cards. Because why? You're not building his house. You're only trying to build yours. That's the only thing you care about. So because of that, I'm going to make sure that I make the work of your hand unfruitful. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 9. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, said the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And you run every man into his own house. See? So because nobody wants to work on the most high's people and just want to, I just need to get money for my car and my family, but for my house, then he's going to blow it down like a deck of cards, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. The Bible is telling you this, brothers and sisters. If we want to resolve our confusion or the confusion of our circumstances, we must look for the answer in biblical literature, brothers and sisters. This is the answer right here. A lot of brothers say, well, I just need a job making $22 an hour. I can't make it on this. No, brother, you need the knowledge of what to do with the money that you already have, with the resources that you already have, brother, because that's the issue. And we needed to we needed to bring this out, brothers and sisters, because why? There's going to be great temptation for opportunities to make finances, brothers and sisters. You look at some of these... Uh, these ball players, they're getting $100 million, $200 million contract. They're giving it out like Monopoly money, brothers and sisters, because they know it's about to fall. When they start giving it out like that, it's getting ready to fall, brothers and sisters. And you're going to have these superstar uh, celebrities that have hundreds of millions of dollars in their bank account. And they're going to wake up one morning and it's going to be gone. And they're going to say, hey, listen, hey, listen, Michael, Jordan, listen, you get this chip. The 5.5 billion is there. Matter of fact, we'll add another billion. It's there. See? Now imagine you got a hundred million in the bank. You wake up and it's gone. You're gonna do everything you can to get it back. See, it's a trick, brothers and sisters. It's a trick. They're giving it out because they know it's about to fall down. Read it, uh, read that uh, one more time, brother. Verse 9. Ye looked for much, and lo it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? said the Lord of hosts. Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house. Right. So we went here, brothers and sisters, because the Bible said we perish for a lack of knowledge. We're in servitude for a lack of knowledge. These are the things we had the lack of knowledge of, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, it, I did blow upon it. Why, said the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. 
and ye run every man into his own house. Right. We just wanted to be crystal clear, brothers and sisters, that the reason our circumstances are as such is because we're not utilizing our resources in the proper fashion. Last year, brothers and sisters, black people alone spent over $10 billion. Last year alone, brothers and sisters. So money is not the issue. Money's not the issue when you got brothers walking around with three Rolex watches on, with half a million dollar cars. The money's not the issue, brothers and sisters. The knowledge is the issue. The knowledge is the issue, brothers and sisters. That's why we had to pull out this information so we can educate our people on the snares that's getting ready to that that's getting ready to come, brothers and sisters, because they're on the way. It's called the hour of temptation. We're going to Romans fifteen and four. We're going to the epistles, brothers and sisters. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans 15 and 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Right, so the Bible was constructed to resolve our confusion, brothers and sisters. Were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Right, might have hope. So the Bible was constructed to give resolution to our turmoil, brothers and sisters. The same things we fight today, our forefathers fought against, brothers and sisters. And once they overcame, they documented the blueprint on how to overcome it, brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible is. That's why we use the Bible. Uh, read that one more time, brother. Verse 4. But whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and the comfort of scriptures might have hope. Right. So we're going to use the Bible, brothers and sisters, to give us hope. And to give us wisdom to be able to defend ourselves from the evil influences emanating out of society. We're going to Sirach, chapter 2, or Ecclesiasticus, chapter 2. We're going to read 1 through 5, brothers and sisters. Resisting and recognizing evil influence, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 2 and 1. My son, if thou come to serve the Lord... Prepare thy soul for temptation. Read that again, brother. My son, if thou come to serve the Lord, prepare thy soul for temptation. Right. So you must be aware. You must be expecting temptation, brothers and sisters. You must be expecting seduction, brothers and sisters. This is what the Bible is telling you. If you come to serve, you must be aware of the snares that will come, brothers and sisters. Verse 2. Set thy heart aright and constantly endure. And make not haste in the time of trouble. Constantly endure and make not haste in the time of trouble. Because why? Some people will have some certain level of trouble and they'll run back to the evil they know. A brother may lose his job and then he'll he'll go back to selling drugs. The first thing he'll do is go to sell drugs. Not even going to the most high consultant with him will, or sister will go get on a strip club. I mean, go get on a strip pole. See? So don't, in time of trouble, don't make haste to run to evil. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. Set thy heart aright and constantly endure and make not haste in the time of trouble. Cleave unto him and depart not away that thou mayest be increased at thy last end. Whatsoever is brought upon thee, take cheerfully. Read that again, brother. Whatsoever is brought upon thee, take cheerfully and be patient when thou art changed to a lower state. Right. To show you that you will be brought to a lower state, brothers and sisters. You will be brought low. Once you make that decision, it said, He who come to serve the Lord, prepare thy soul for temptation. 
most of us, brothers and sisters, when we first came into the truth, we hit a rocky patch somewhere. It may not have been financially, but certain things brought us into a lower state, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 4. Whatsoever is brought upon thee, take cheerfully. Take cheerfully. That's what a man of God does. That's what a woman of God does. Is when Satan comes with his tactics, we take it cheerfully. And be patient when thou art changed to a lower state. Why? Be patient when you're changed to a lower state. Why? Because he may need you to reach somebody that's in a lower state. And had you been in an elevated position, you may have not been able to reach that person. So the most high is bringing you to a lower state, number one, to humble you and to give you what he believes you deserve. Because what you got previous to the truth, you didn't get from him. You got that through the work of your own hand. Which means that Satan can pull that away at any time. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 4. Whatsoever is brought upon thee, take cheerfully. And be patient when thou art changed to a lower state. For gold is tried in the fire. An acceptable man in the furnace of adversity. And what? An acceptable man in the furnace of adversity. So with adversity comes an elevated level of maturation, brothers and sisters. Without any shadow of a doubt. That's why the Most High allows... These trials, because through that, you elevate your maturity, your maturity, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. So the Most High will allow you to go through these trials to mature you, to humble you, brothers and sisters. Right. A lot of people say, well, if I only knew that back then. (laughs) Right. See, so through going through certain things, you gain the knowledge, the understanding, brothers and sisters, you gain the knowledge and understanding. So take it cheerfully when it seems like the attack is coming, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 12. Because we're in the hour of temptation, brothers and sisters, that the Bible speaks of. Which is when sin would be at its time. James 1 and 12. Blessed is the man that endured temptation. Read that one more time, brother. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. See, so endurance of temptation brings a blessing from the Most High God. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. See, who but God, who but the Most High God could bring a blessing out of trials, brothers and sisters? For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Right. So the next time you're in a trial, brothers and sisters, we must remember that it's a blessing If we persevere, if we persevere, we can expect a blessing. We must expect. Read that one more time, actually, brother. Verse 12. Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Right. So we must expect afflictions, brothers and sisters. We must expect seductions. We must expect it, brothers and sisters. The Bible's telling you that. If you come to serve the Lord, prepare thy soul for temptation. Because why? You're not being tempted. If you, if you, if, you know, if you're a fornicator and, you know, you're not being tempted. That's what you do. You're a fornicator, right? Now, only when you come into the truth and have the knowledge of what's right and wrong, now are you being tempted because you know what's right and what's wrong. But if you're not even dealing with that, then you're not being tempted at all. You're just fulfilling whatever you want to fulfill. But once you have the knowledge of good and evil, that's where the temptation comes in, brothers and sisters. So now I can look in my community and say, hold on, we eating pork up in here? That's clean? Is that clean? No. 
Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got Christmas trees up here. What the Bible say about that? See, brothers and sisters, once you have the understanding, you're freed, you're liberated, and you're able to see. Therefore, the devil's going to send temptation and snares, afflictions, seductions towards you, brothers and sisters. We're going to 2nd Edris, chapter 14, verse 1. Going into second address, brothers and sisters. We're going to read verse 1 through 6. Second address, 14, verse 1. And it came to pass, upon the third day I sat under an oak, and behold, there came a voice out of the bush over against me and said, Edris, Edris. And I said, Here am I, Lord. And I stood upon my feet. Then said he unto me, in the bush I did manifestly reveal myself unto Moses and talk with him when my people served in Egypt. To show you that the apographer upholds what's already in the Bible. It's talking about Moses <laughs> delivering us from Egypt. That's in the Bible, brothers and sisters. So this isn't just a book that have nothing to do with the Bible. This is giving more detail to what's already in the Bible, brothers and sisters. That's We wanted to go here to prove that. Verse 4. And I sent him, and led my people out of Egypt, and brought him up to the Mount of Sinai, where I held him by me at long season. See, so the apographer corroborates the Bible. There's not; it's not a doesn't have a se a separate theology, brothers and sisters. Verse five, and told him many wondrous things, and showed him the secrets of the the times and the end. And commanded him saying. And commanded him saying. These words shalt thou declare. And these shalt thou hide. Hold on. So now. We're showing that. The, the, the first five books of Moses. These shalt thou declare. And these shalt thou hide. So there's hidden records brothers and sisters. There was records that the Most High told him to hide on purpose. So it would. It would stay away from the enemy. Who would try to manipulate these transcripts. Brothers and sisters. The, the people that would try to manipulate these manuscripts, brothers and sisters. So he said, I want you to hide a certain part. And this, you know, the higher knowledge only give to those who can take meat. Only give it to those who are, are in truth, who have baptism, who are, are spiritually mature. See? So what we're getting ready to go into, brothers and sisters, is hidden records. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. These words shall thou declare... And these shall thy hide. Right. So, brothers and sisters, we're going to go into the 12 patriarchs. Uh, we're going to go into each one of our forefathers from the 12 tribes had their own record, brothers and sisters. And we're going to go into some of those records today, brothers and sisters. Now, these records were put together well before Moses received the law. So this was before we even had the law, brothers and sisters. We're going to the Testament of Simeon. Chapter 2. Verse 12, we're going to some of that hidden knowledge, brothers and sisters, follow us here. We're going to Simeon 2 and 12. We, the Bible says what was written before time was written for our learning, brothers and sisters. So we want to see what our forefathers put together for us. Our forefathers put together a record to say, listen, my children, these are the things I failed to do not allow the same things that's where snares to me to be to my children. So Simeon had a record, brothers and sisters. We're going to it. We're going to Testament of Simeon, chapter 2, 
verse 12. The Testament of Simeon, chapter 2 and 12. Beware, therefore, of fornication. For fornication is the mother of all evils. Read that again. For fornication is the mother of all evils, separating from God and bringing near to Belier. Right. So that when it says bringing near to Belier, that's Satan. Another name for Satan, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Beware, therefore, of fornication. For fornication is mother of all evils. Mother of all evils, brothers and sisters. Now... Fornication is not only tolerated in our society, but it's actually encouraged, brothers and sisters. And the Bible is telling you it's the mother of all evils. Now, why is fornication being emphasized in our society, brothers and sisters? Because the sin of fornication separates man from God. We're going to prove that. Read that one more time, brother. Beware, therefore, of fornication. For fornication is the mother of all evils separating from God and bringing near to Belier. Right. So he's saying, don't let that life be what directs you. Pleasures. Don't chase pleasures that separates you from God. These are one of the things that will be at its height, brothers and sisters. Fornication will be at its height. We're going to go into it today, brothers and sisters, because why? When the hour of temptation, we're going to Testament of Judah, chapter three. Verse 11. Follow us, brothers and sisters. We're going to read 11 and 12. The Testament of Judah, chapter 3 and 11. For the spirit of fornication hath wine as a minister to give pleasure to the mind. For these two also take away the mind of man. Right. So now, right here, it's, giving us, it's telling us the power of wine in the aid of facilitating fornication, brothers and sisters. Wine magnifies the craving for sin. Read it one more time, brother. For the spirit of fornication hath wine as a minister to give pleasure to the mind. For these two also take away the mind of man. Take away the mind of a man. It take away his conscience to do what's right, brothers and sisters. Verse 12. For if a man drink wine to drunkenness, it disturbeth the mind with filthy thoughts leading to fornication. See, so it's given us high knowledge of what substances heightens our senses to sensation for fornication, brothers and sisters. And heated the body to carnal union. R read that from the top, brother, verse 12. For if a man drink wine to drunkenness, it disturbeth the mind with filthy thoughts leading to fornication. And heated the body to carnal union. And if the occasion of the lust be present, if the occasion of the lust be present, which means if the opportunity present itself, you'll do it, especially if there's wine in conjunction with that spirit of fornication or lust. You will do it. Read that one more time, brother. For if a man drink wine to drunkenness, it disturbeth the mind with filthy thoughts leading to fornication and hated the, and heated the body to carnal union. And if the occasion of lust be present. He worked sin, and it's not a shame. See, because you, when you're when you're inebriated or when you're drunk, you're not even ashamed of what you've done. You're not even ashamed. The Bible is telling you that wine aids in facilitating fornication, brothers and sisters. This is high knowledge. We need this knowledge. Now, notice this is the testament of Judah to show you that Judah, the blacks, the Negroes. Why do you think they put a a, 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 a liquor store in every corner in the hood, brothers and sisters, because they know that this is what we struggle with, especially black men. 
drinking and fornication, brothers and sisters. Ever notice when you become a a pop star, you get Ciroc and effing vodka? They put your name on a brand, brothers and sisters. See? So they know this has a detrimental effect, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 12. For if a man drink wine to drunkenness, it disturbeth the mind with filthy thoughts leading to fornication, and heedeth the body to carnal union. If the occasion of lust be present, he worketh sin is not ashamed. Jump to verse 18, brother. Verse 18. He that committed fornication is not aware when he suffers loss. Read that again. He that committed fornication is not aware when he suffers loss. And is not ashamed when he puts to dishonor. Right. So what is this saying? He's telling us to flee from sexual immorality. immorality. Why? Because this sin is against our own body, brothers and sisters. It's detrimental in ravaging and dismantling a man's honor and his greatness. Read that one more time, brother. He that committed fornication is not aware when he suffers loss, and is not ashamed when put to dishonor. For even though a man be a king and commit fornication, he is stripped of his kingship by becoming the slave of fornication, as I myself also suffer. See, even our father Judah suffered, brothers and sisters. So it's showing you that this particular act of fornication is detrimental in ravaging and dismantling a man's honor. And his greatness, brothers and sisters. This is what fornication does. Even to a king. Read those two scriptures again, brother. He that committed fornication is not aware when he suffers loss. And is not ashamed when put to dishonor. For even though a man be a king and commit fornication, he is stripped of his kingship by becoming the slave of fornication. As I myself also suffer. So what is he saying? He's saying don't let pleasure dictate don't, brothers and sisters, don't let that drive you to make a physical decision that will affect the rest of your life. This is what he's saying, brothers and sisters. Fornication is at its height. Women are not even wearing clothes on. You walk out in the, you know, out to the supermarket. Sisters got on stuff where you could see every crevice, every crack on them. And I'm like, what is this mess? What is this mess? And it's going on, and I don't know what they, I don't know what they, I don't, and, and now they're calling it fashion, brothers and sisters, as if fashion have no laws. <laughs> they'll just, they'll just call it fashion. This is what's going on, brothers and sisters. The Bible warns us of the dangers of fornication, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. And it's not just men. Brothers and sisters, because a lot of time when we talk about fornication, we think it's just men. When really the Bible tells you it's, it's actually quite contrary. Our sisters fall to that particular sin more than the brothers do. The Bible uphold that. We're going to show you. We're going to Reuben chapter 2, verse 15. We're going to read Reuben chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Reuben 2 and 15. For more, for moreover, concerning them, the angels of the Lord told me and caught me and taught me that women are overcome by the spirit of fornication more than men. Read that again, brother. 
that women are overcome by the spirit of fornication more than men. Right. So our sisters, women are more promiscuous than men, brothers and sisters. And I know that that's not what they're teaching in society. They're teaching that all the man do is think about sex when really the Bible is saying the women fall to this particular act more than the men, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the women have the power over that kind of thing, brothers and sisters. So a woman could literally go out and probably find a different dude every single day, brothers and sisters. And guess what? It's different because why? Men have to go engage. Women just sit back and get engaged. If they went into their Facebook right now, there's probably a thousand unread messages. So naturally, brothers and sisters, they're going to have more access to fornication. Men have to actually go out and say, how you doing, sister? Can I, you know, can I, you know. Can I have your number? Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So we wanted to put it out there that sisters, our sisters have a huge, have huge culpability in the spiritual deflation of our nation, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. Read that again, brother. For moreover, concerning them, the angel of the Lord told me and taught me that women are overcome by the spirit of fornication more than men. Now this is this is a this is a worldly woman. This is an evil woman. Not all women. This is talking about those women that you see on the um uh the yeah, rea- yeah the reality shows brothers and sisters. This is these are the women that are being promoted. Now there's a lot of good women out there, but they're not the ones being promoted. <laughs> the ones being promoted are the ones like this, brothers and sisters. And in their heart they plot against men, and by means of their adornment, they receive they deceive first their minds, and by the glance of the eyes, instill the poison, and then through the accomplished act, they take them captive. It says the adornment. That's makeup and dressing themselves up, brothers and sisters, putting different jewels on them. All of this is in 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 in. in in lieu of trying to get a man to fornicate, to transgress the law, brothers and sisters. So our sisters have huge culpability into not antagonizing men, into falling to this particular, you know, uh, transgression. Our sisters should do everything they can do to make sure our men aren't dealing with this. You know, they shouldn't be aiding to it by pushing their chest to their chin. That That's not helping our brothers. That's not, that's, that's, in fact, that's hurting our brothers. Because now... You know, now they have to deal with that fornication, that spirit of fornication now. So we both have culpability here, brothers and sisters. Read that from the top, brother. Verse 5. For moreover concerning them, the angel of the Lord told me and taught me that women are overcome by the spirit of fornication more than men. And in their heart they plot against men. And by means of their adornment they deceive first their minds. And by the glance of the eyes and steal the poison. And then through the accomplished act, they take them captive. See, take them captive. So now a man is in bondage to fornication through an evil woman, brothers and sisters. Why? Because an evil woman believes her promiscuity is her power, brothers and sisters. I know you've seen that out there, brothers and sisters. Sisters out there who use promiscuity as if it's power or something, brothers and sisters. (laughs) Read, brother. Verse 16, for a woman cannot force a man openly, 
But by a harlot's bearing, she beguiled. See, so we're talking about a harlot here, brothers and sisters. Not all sisters. The that spirit of a harlot that's going on that you see mm-hmm. all through the media, that you see all on uh, um, Facebook and the, uh, the plethora of these other social sites, brothers and sisters. This is what you're seeing. These sisters know what they're doing, brothers and sisters. They're out there and they're showing themselves. And listen, whether you have a man or not, a sister, any man knows a sister that's showing her body online, she available. She's available. And she probably got a couple guys just in case you act up. And brothers know it. No matter how many rings she have on or how many pictures she have with her boyfriend, you know if she's showing her behind on the Internet, you have a chance to get it. You know it. Men know this. Uh, read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. For a woman cannot force a man openly. 16. Verse 16. For a woman cannot force a man openly, but by a harlot's bearing she beguiles him. Flee, therefore, fornication, my children, and command your wives and your daughters that they adorn not their heads and faces to deceive the mind. Because every woman who uses these wiles has been reserved for eternal punishment. See? So the Bible is telling you, if a woman use her looks to entrap a man into fornication, what's going to happen? There's an everlasting judgment for women who facilitate fornication to our brothers. Bible tell you that. Bible tell you that. When you go into certain records, it tell you they'll be hung by their eyelids. There's certain the, the the women who use their body and their shape and how they look to gain to get men to to fall in fornication. They will be punished using the same tactics they used, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother Corey. Verse seventeen: Flee therefore to fornication, my children, and command your wives and your daughters that they adorn not their heads and faces to deceive the mind, because every woman who uses these wiles has been reserved for eternal punishment. Right. So teach your daughters, teach your wives. This is the responsibility of the men to raise our children and make sure our wives understand what's most significant is a relationship with God, not your shape, not your skin tone, not uh, whatever, you know, people look at, you know, to say, oh, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. It's not about that, brother. It's not about that, sister. And we have to make sure our sisters understand it, it's something more important than that. Is she going to be a woman of God? Is she going to submit to God? Is she going to submit to me? Is she going to allow me to be a man? Is she going to allow me to lead? All of these things come first. And afterwards, in the end, oh, and she, she, you know, and she's fine, too. So that's actually the the last <laughs> the last part of you know which we're supposed to look at, brothers and sisters, and we have to magnify this to our sisters. Why? Because if not, this will destroy our nation internally, brothers and sisters, by having sisters, our own sisters, whether they be Hispanic natives or Negroes, dressing themselves up to get our brothers to fornicate in lust. That tears us all down. So it destroys us internally, brothers and sisters. That's why we was never supposed to have prostitutes within our land, brothers and sisters, because it degrades the land, brothers and sisters. So sisters have culpability in this, too. So we wanted to put it out there because we know the brothers always think when it's speaking of fornication, it's just talking about the men. But no, it's not. It's talking about our sisters, too. 
So we must make a concerted effort, brothers and sisters, together, men and women. Reuben, chapter 1, verse 34. Testament of Reuben, chapter 1, verse 34. Pay no heed to the face of a woman. Read that again, brother. Pay no heed to the face of a woman. Don't have your choices in life be absolutely dictated on your infatuation of beauty. That's what he's saying. Don't let that, don't let that dictate your life, brothers and sisters. Don't let that steer your course, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Pay no heed to the face of a woman. Nor associate with another man's wife. Right, nor associate with another man's wife. Isn't that what's going on in the community now? Well, she, you know, that make a man feel like he, I'm, I must really be something because she got a man and she still wanted me. That means I'm, I'm, I'm really swagged up or, or whatever young people say, right? <laughs> See? It, it's, 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 it's less for me to go find a single woman. I actually want a woman who actually have a man because now, you know, now I'm pumped up. This is what's going on, brothers and sisters. Read that from the top, brother. Verse 34. Pay no heed to the face of a woman, nor associate with another man's wife. He said, pay no heed to the face of a woman. The Most High saying, listen, follow me. I made her. See? And when I see fit, I'll send you a helpmate made for a man of dominion and not before. That's what he's saying, brothers and sisters. Listen, any man would love a beautiful woman, but understand who made that woman first. So the Most High is saying, focus on me. I made her and many more of her. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying, because a lot of times men will see a pretty woman and lose the courage to do what's right, brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible is telling you. And there's certain sisters who are set up out there just as a snare for you, sent by Satan, brothers and sisters. The Bible's telling you the women are more promiscuous than the men. So just imagine, I, I know a lot of young brothers, they want to uh, they, they magnify how many people they have laid down with. Now, just imagine, you know, yours now having more than you had now. And magnifying that. See? You wouldn't like that. The Bible is telling you, brothers and sisters, we must watch out for fornication without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 2. We're going back to the Bible, brothers and sisters. We're going back to the Bible. 1 John 2 and 15. We just needed to show you how detrimental the spirit of fornication is. Not just on our brethren. But on our sisters also. We're going to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John 2 and 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right. Oh, continue. Verse 16. For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh is that temptation to feel physical pleasure from something, from some sinful activity, brothers and sisters. That's what the, the lust of the flesh is. To do something to make the flesh feel satisfied. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Right. So these things can involve any type of sinful activity that bring pleasure 
to the body, brothers and sisters. We must we must stay away from these things. We're in the hour of temptation, brothers and sisters. Satan will start sending sisters to you. He will start sending men to the sisters in order for them to fall to this sin of fornication because why? It separates from God. And that's exactly what he wanted. That's exactly what he wanted. That's why he put half-naked woman on TV, brothers and sisters. That's why there's half-naked women all on these social sites, brothers and sisters. This is Satan's playground. This is what he wants. This is what he wants, brothers and sisters. And men have to be strong enough. Men have to be strong enough to know what's coming and what the end of it is. Because why? The enemy's at the door, brothers and sisters. He is at the door. And we can't. It's too late to go back. Don't look back into that world that we used to live in, brothers and sisters. Uh, read verse 16 again, brother. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. But is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will will of God abideth forever. Right. So the world passeth away, and so do those lusts, brothers and sisters. And you know, it could be a day where you have that feeling of fornication, and then you fulfill that feeling of fornication, and then you're ashamed for the next three weeks. You're ashamed of something that you did for five minutes. See. So this is what the Bible is saying. That that. Urge will go away. Resist the devil and he shall flee, brothers and sisters. But that shame, once you transgress and you know, then really you just been beat. You you really have just been physically beat and subdued into following this when you knew it was wrong. And you didn't want to do it either. But you was forced. You was beaten to submission. Because that's what these these sins do, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to 2 Ezra 13 and 23. Second Ezra 13 and 23. He that shall endure the peril in that time hath kept himself. They that be fallen into, da- <clears throat> into danger are such as have worked. Read that again. They that have fallen into danger are such as have worked in faith towards the Almighty. Right. So those who have works will fall into danger, brothers and sisters. Those of us who are working for the Most High will fall into danger. Why? Galatians 4 and 16. Galatians 4 and 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Read that again, brother. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? See, so telling the truth often brings many enemies to the ministers of Christ, brothers and sisters. When evil is confronted with truth, that's a problem. So he said, those who have works will fall into danger. Why? Because we tell the truth. See, brothers and sisters? See, and we, we already read John 8 and 32, that truth is freedom. The freedom is truth, brothers and sisters. So if you try to liberate these slaves, you're going to become an enemy. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? See? So when evil is confronted with truth, what happens? We're going to Isaiah 59 and 15. We've got about four scriptures. Isaiah 59 and 15. Isaiah 59 and 15. Yeah, truth faileth, 
And he that departed from evil maketh himself a prey. Read that again. Yeah, truth faileth. And he that departed from evil makes himself a prey. See, so he that will not fall, fall in, you know, with the prevailing of iniquity actually exposes himself as prey to the wicked. See, so if you don't deal with this iniquity, you're actually exposing yourself as righteous. Therefore, you're an enemy. Read that one more time, brother. Yeah, truth faileth. And he that departed from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Right. So what is this saying? This is saying we will suffer for our singularity, for our preciseness, brothers and sisters. You will suffer. You will become prey, brothers and sisters. We need this knowledge. During this time, brothers and sisters, during Jacob's trouble, during the hour of temptation to understand that you will become an enemy, brothers and sisters, for delivering the truth. And because you'll become an enemy, I must warn you on how to act amongst the enemy. Matthew 5 and 25, brothers and sisters, this is Christ. Examine this scripture because we know you'll be an enemy. I must show you how to carry yourself amongst the enemy. Matthew 5 and 25. Agree with thine adversary quickly. Read it again, brother. Agree with thine adversary quickly. While thou art whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge. And the judge deliver thee to the officer. And thou be cast into prison. It says agree with thine adversary quickly, brothers and sisters. So you must acquiesce swiftly, brothers and sisters. You must comply promptly, brothers and sisters. You must concede urgently, brothers and sisters. Especially when you're amongst somebody who can take your freedom. When you're amongst the police. When you're amongst the judges and the lawyers, brothers and sisters. You are not to stand on your morals. Not to stand on what your right is. Because guess what? If you start going off about what your right is. It's my right to carry a gun. It's my right to do this. They're going to make an example out of you. The Bible is telling you. We know you're an enemy. Now you need to learn to agree swiftly. When they call you into contempt. You must agree swiftly. When there's a situation maybe out in public where an Edomite, you know, have a problem where they may call the, you know, the generals on you, the police on you. Agree promptly, brothers and sisters. It's not being about it's not about being a chump. It's about wisdom, brothers and sisters. Read it again, brother Corey. Verse 25. <clears throat> agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Right. So we must settle disagreements swiftly, brothers and sisters. We must reconcile sources of friction quickly, brothers and sisters. Why? Revelation chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. The Bible tell you, agree quickly, brothers and sisters. You wait till you're in the room with the most important person, and then you agree quickly with them, brothers and sisters. This is what the Bible is telling you. This is wisdom. Revelation 2 and 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Examine this next scripture. Fear none of, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Read that again. The devil shall cast some of you into prison. See? 
So they're going to look to imprison us, brothers and sisters. That's why he's educating us on how to deal with the adversary, brothers and sisters. Because a lot of brothers will say, well, it's my right. I can do what I want to do. I can stand here and talk if I want to. I can do this. I, I can carry a gun. That's my constitutional right. And listen, brother, if you do that, they're going to make an example out of your behind. So don't, don't, you know, don't try to rest on what your rights are, brother. Because if you do, you're going to end up on the front page newspaper, brother. That's what's going to happen. I try to tell young brothers because, you know, even though we have constitutional rights and all that other stuff, brothers and sisters, you're at a disadvantage because you're an Israelite. So the same thing a white man can do, you, you it wouldn't be wise for you to do that. White man just walk all up and down with a gun hanging off him and all that. I wouldn't suggest people of color to do that. I don't care if it's legal or not. I, I don't care if it's legal or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not about being a chump, brothers and sisters. This is a high knowledge. This is high wisdom on how to sustain throughout Jacob's trouble, brothers and sisters. If you can't agree quickly with the adversary, how <laughs> you're very proud. You're very arrogant. And you're going to ultimately be destroyed because you can't acquiesce to somebody who's an enemy. Uh, read verse 10, brother. Verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. That you may be tried, brothers and sisters. See, so Satan is going to look to imprison us. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. It says be faithful unto death. Why? Because this work, sometimes it requires you to die. And you got to be willing to do that. You got to be ready for that because that's part of the work. That's part of the work, brothers and sisters. And if it comes to that, you have to be able to take that cheerfully and to understand that you will come. Listen, <laughs> our spirit don't die, brothers and sisters. Our spirit do not die. <laughs> so you can, you can, you know, do what you got to do, brother. You want to take my life? Do what you got to do, brother. Do what you got to do. Now, I know nobody want, you know, <laughs> that's not ideal that we would have to go through that, brothers and sisters. But if... If it's a must, it's a must, brothers and sisters. You must have the courage of your conviction to know that you'll live again, brothers and sisters. I'll see you again, buddy. Do what you got to do. I'll see you again. That's part of the work, brothers and sisters. Death and righteousness is part of the work sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. And we must be mentally prepared for that, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 8 and 1. Because the Bible tells you, not to rest on your laurels, not to rest on your rights, brothers and sisters. Even if you are right, agree quickly. The Bible is going to show you why. We got one more scripture after this. We're going to close out. Ecclesiasticus 8 and 1. Strive not with a mighty man, lest thou fall into his hands. Strive not with a mighty man, lest thou fall into his hands. This is twofold, brothers and sisters. So you can't strive against the government. You can't strive against these entities, brothers and sisters. So never magnify or stand on your rights, brothers and sisters, because if you do, they're going to make an example out of you. Right now, it's also twofold. Look at what else it says. Verse two, be not at variance with a rich man. Read that again, brother. Be not at variance with the rich man. Lest he overweigh thee. See, never make an enemy out of somebody who's richer than you. Never make an enemy out of somebody that's rich, brothers and sisters, because why? Listen, I'll just put I'll just put this 
put fifty thousand to the side. They take care of it. Listen, it won't even be connected to me. It, it's happened before, brothers and sisters. When you're dealing with rich people, they can have you taken out and destroyed, brothers and sisters. Read it again, brother Corey. Be not at variance with the rich man, lest he overweigh thee, for gold has destroyed many and perverted the hearts of kings. Right. So, and listen, you don't want no enemies out there. If you want, you can't. How are you going to do the work if you're worried about enemies that's out there? So it's not about being a chump or being a punk, brothers and sisters. We got work to do, and it's hard to work when you know there's somebody out there gunning for you, brothers and sisters. It's hard to even focus like that. So the Bible is telling you what? Read it again, brother. Verse 2. Be not at variance with the rich man. Right. So you don't want no enemies out there, brothers and sisters, especially those who have more resources than you, brothers and sisters. Now, this is not about being a chump. This is high wisdom to sustain us to the end, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to our final scripture. We're going to Matthew 10 and 16. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, brothers and sisters. Matthew 10 and 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is the wisdom, brothers and sisters, that will preserve us through Jacob's trouble. Wisdom trumps foolishness in every situation, brothers and sisters. So both the, the snake's intelligence and the dove's innocence are both designed to keep the sheep out of trouble, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the intelligence, when that temptation of fornication and the deceitfulness of riches, you must be able to flee swiftly. Also, you must be like a dove when you're amongst those who have authority. Those who may be an enemy, the magistrates, the judges, the police. See? So you must know when there's danger, when there's temptation there to flee those youthful lusts. And you also must know how to be, you know, humble and meek in the face of an adversary, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, Brother Corey. Verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents. And harmless as doves. Right. So, brothers and sisters, today's lesson was recognizing and resisting evil influences. We're going to we're going to utilize this information to sustain us to the end during the hour of temptation. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.